Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars... Well, don't stocks and giants have tomorrow, Matt Weber on the board. S&P Futures. Let me find out what S&P... Everything's real flat here this morning. He's flap, 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 flap before the Fed meetings, as per usual. S&P Futures down five, Nancy Futures up five. So, like I say, not much. Yesterday we were up, down, all around all day and finished... Uh, Pretty much near the flat line. We ended up uh, S&P down a buck, and NASDAQ was actually unchanged. So do we have pr- the Professor Brendan? I'm here, Chief. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well today. Um, hey, I, I, have a, well, I have a bunch of questions for you today, but uh, yesterday was kind of an odd show. Uh, well, they're, they're all odd, I guess, in some regard. But we had uh, Nancy on, our, our mortgage expert, and she started talking about a new dictum, or whatever you want to call it, that has come through that essentially rewards, makes people with higher credit scores pay more for their mortgages so people with lower credit scores can pay less. And I was, you know, a little, I don't usually, I don't usually get uh, surprised that much, but I mean, she explained it well, and, and John Flanagan, of course, knew what she was talking about, and of course I didn't, uh, but did my best to, to, to bluff my way through, right? And I'm thinking... Wow, what, what, this this is really something, and it's all they talked about all yesterday afternoon on CNBC. Who who would even think of such a thing? When where do, where do we have these? I use the term mopes sitting in the bureaucracy somewhere to come up with these ideas, and somehow they gain traction. Who's behind, who's behind this crap? It's, it's not it's not something anybody would think of, Brendan. Even even the, there have been times that I've been accused of being pretty liberal. I would never have dreamt of something like that. I wouldn't think of something like that either, and I'm not familiar with that. I, I didn't watch CNBC yesterday, so I didn't see any of that discussion, and I hadn't heard of this before, but uh, just from your brief description, it seems pretty punitive and um, anti-American. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, she says, basically, if somebody comes in with a 750 credit score and they want to put 5% down, the normal adjustments you make for the the mortgage rate because of the amount down, meaning not very much. The normal and the credit score is 750, which is high, but it's not 800, so there's a little bit of a... They, you essentially get a bigger discount on, on your, uh, what shall we say, a drop down in your score so they can add it to the... Essentially, the person with the 650 credit score gets the mortgage slightly better than you do, and you, and you subsidize it. I, I, I can't even think of somebody thinking of something like that. I can't think of how that came about either. It, again, it, it sounds pretty strained and um, pretty unfair. Well, how does, how does, you know, one of the kind of the themes of a lot of the guests of the show 
it, it kind of depends on who's who's in power. I mean, it's whether it's the people more on the left or more on the right. But all these dictums coming out of uh, essentially the bureaucracy in that Congress, Maddie, I'd say it's been a steady stream of complaint from our guests for twelve years. I mean, how does something like that? I mean, you look you look at this Fanny and Freddie. I mean, this whole thing. Can you think of anything? Well, this is a big question. Can you think of anything more farcical ever than the history of Fannie and Freddie? How the government essentially took them over, got paid more than they ever have, still stiffed all the shareholders, and now they're they're making instead of being bankrupt and out of business, they're making all these. They become a a spot that makes policy simply because you can't use anybody else but them. Basically, I mean. You couldn't write fiction like this, Brennan. I mean, who, does anybody control these people? Does Congress ever look and see what they're doing after all this crap, basically, in the last 15 years out of there? Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a weird situation. Um, and I, I think, you know, in the last several decades, we have seen a shift from congressional leaders not really wanting to govern. And regardless of which party is in power, you know, there, there are a lot of platitudes and um, government has to function, society has to function, the business world has to function. So what used to be decisions made at the congressional level with congressional leaders has been delegated to the bureaucracy just to keep things moving. And Was it been delegated of, or did the bureaucracy just took, takes, or, takes it over? The vacuum just gets well, filled? Uh, yeah, maybe delegated because there's no formal delegation saying you can do this to the FDIC or to the uh, or, or to Fannie or Freddie. It, it just kind of evolves because if it doesn't evolve and somebody doesn't step into the void, then the uh, the economy will be in much worse trouble. The country will be in much worse trouble while the politicians serve on their platitudes. And again, politicians on both sides unwilling to to govern or unable to reach agreement on what needs to be done and passing acts. Um, and so the the bureaucracy kind of fills the void, and there's also you know, a lot more institutional knowledge in many places in the bureaucracy. Uh, and the other thing, and, and you, we've talked about this, you've talked about this on the show, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the symmetry, the symbiosis between the business world, the Goldman Sachs of the world, and people in, in government positions um, that kind of lead down the road to bureaucratic takeover. Well, I mean, I think you, you certainly... I mean, I, I guess... I'm, I'm curious, since I've never been involved in a situation like that, but it's, it's a whole skill set that I don't have. When you have you know, 15,000 people in the consumer protection area or something, Elizabeth Warren's brainchild. What do you do all day? Just look look around to find, way, find ways to pester people? I mean, do you, do you just feel complaints? Do you actually find something that's wrong before you go after it? Do you make stuff up? I mean, I, I, I suppose everyone's different, but it just seems to me when there's no... what What is the goal of the... I mean, every time you do something, some other agency's probably already there. It just seems like, I, I don't know, you know... Is is it, would would it if you and I land in the Oval Office as the, as the two the two poison heads? What would we do? Just have to fire half these people because we don't even know what they do. Uh, firing people, firing half the people, might be a good start. And I think to answer your question about what do they do, um, 
there is a lot of overlap. There, there is some bureaucratic, let's say, discretion on what the head of an agency or department wants to look at. And as long as that person is in charge, there will be people hired at lower levels to to do that. And you know, you know take the example of um, uh, of somebody who wants to go after the little guys to make sure that all the rules are filled. Well, th- their staff will then start investigating or listen to complaints because you know there are always going to be complaints from competitors or from disgruntled consumers who say that this company screwed me or this company is is cheating. And when you go to the federal agencies, them they will have people who will investigate. They will have people who will try to enforce the rules, sometimes unfairly, sometimes without using common sense. And it, it does kind of feed on itself. And as long as you've got ranks of people that that you can throw into the fray, it will continue. But they don't. I mean, they don't. The uh, it goes back to the well, this banking to try and tie it into what's going on with the some of these banks. You know, the the idea that the Fed is stunned by rate by interest rates going up and people being hurt by it, <clears throat> and they're the ones that sold you all the stuff. I, I mean, I just that is so unconscionable to me, friend. I can't, I can't even. It's like it's like me, me trying to explain it to a third grader. Not you. I'm talking about. I mean, how could how could they not know that was going to be an outcome? Mm-hmm. And, and allegedly, according to Russell, who somehow got uh, wind of one of the uh, you know he's being the professor and everything, got wind of uh, one of the stress tests. One of the things they didn't test against was increasing interest rates on your balance sheet. <laughs> I mean, Which seems pretty basic that yeah. you would you test for something like that. And but you know the other thing is that we've seen in the recent banks in Silicon Valley that the the federal regulators missed things, and I mean they stepped up and admitted that they missed some of these things. So you know when something is it turns out to be as obvious in retrospect, how do you miss something like that with all the regulators? regulators you've got and all of the rules you've got in place how do you not do that type of a stress test how do you not think about that i mean is it is it so obvious that when it's missing you don't notice it because it's like white background noise that uh you don't even notice that it's not there do you not have a checklist uh of something so obvious um, i it it is it, really flummoxing well i mean i we were, we were talking yesterday a little bit and maybe i can tie it together today with you better than i did yesterday We've done like a kind of a lot of stuff in the last, you know, be it COVID, be it 2008. The idea that we have totally separated, I mean, there is no, there is no M or M1. And I know I'm getting a little too technical for some of the people, but M1 was cash and circulation, demand deposits, and what was the other, banker's acceptances or something? I don't know, I forget what the third one was. And that those that was that was hot money. That was money you could get out of your bank, right out of the gate. And Kevin explained a lot of this yesterday. But the original thing was sweeps and how many sweeps you can do a month out of. But your your savings account was was a time deposit, and you that was not available on demand. It's, I mean, it, it, it turned out that it, it sort of was. You could always go to the bank, and they always gave it to you. But but if they if all of a sudden there was a crisis, they didn't have to for what thirty days, Brendan, or something. depending on the. So at the same time, you. You decided because of COVID, you're not going to have any reserve requirements. Okay, uh, you're going to you're going to blend M1 and M2. Okay, to where there's no, there's no such thing as a demand versus savings deposit just by any place. 
they don't pay interest on any, so why not just have it all in a demand deposit? You got rid of a reserve requirement totally, and you sold people bonds that you knew or had suspected five years later were going to be worth a lot less than you sold it to them, at least for a while. I mean, for 25 years now, you'll get your money probably. Uh, how do you do all that at the same time, Brendan, and not think there's a problem or could be a problem? I mean, well, I, you know, in, in fairness, I think that some of those things were done on an emergency basis. The, the issue is when does the emergency pass or when do you have to reverse those theories? Um, I, I mean, in, in the history of mankind, things in emergencies have sometimes evolved to bad choices being made short term to avoid a bigger catastrophe. Then the concern really becomes undoing it. Uh, and I mean, the example you pointed out of how the banking world changes for the consumer when uh, interest rates are at a point where whatever money you put in the bank earns no interest. So really, um, the, the consumers are hurt. But when do you start reversing that? And how do you start reversing that so that you effectively can reward savers again so that people are not living uh, completely? Well, Brennan, it's not... I'm like, Take it, take it a little further. You're not rewarding saviors. You're using people's money. You're supposed to pay them for it. True. Yep. I mean, you're not you're not rewarding the carpenter to puts up your fence. You're paying him for his yeah. for his for his for value. You're right. You're do, you're doing the same thing with the consumer that you're trying to do by uh, lending out the money, and because you're borrowing from the consumers from the savers who put money into the bank. You're absolutely right. Well, why why? I guess I listen. Well, unfortunately, all day long to this stuff. Why everybody continues to, to talk about these bank crises? These these few banks went under. When I say a bank crisis, like if it was 1932 or 2008 or or the, res, the savings and loan crisis, it's not. It, it's absolutely totally different. Why does everybody keep talking about it like if it isn't? This mm-hmm. is this has to do with uh, people. A regular, I'll say, a regular bank failure. If you you know go down the south side, west side, north side, where we are, and you'll see some bank or, or the, the the bank of uh, I don't know if they failed. But I'll use them as examples anyway. First National Bank of Janesville, Wisconsin. Okay, they've got eighty percent of their por- portfolio in commercial buildings and people's stuff around the what, what plant was that Chevy or something? I don't remember. And all of a sudden, the plant closes, and all these buildings are worthless. The loans, which are the assets of a bank, okay, the deposits or liabilities, the loans, which are the assets, are now worth way less. So the bank balance sheet looks terrible, and they've lost all this money. Okay, well, then the Fed's job is to be the banker of last resort, maybe take some of those loans and make sure everybody's deposits are good. That's what they do. Banks are supposed to go out of business once in a while because they're supposed to take some risk. And once in a while, out of one out of a thousand banks every year is supposed to go under, right? And a new bank should take their place. This is this is not brain surgery, Brendan. But what's happened this time is absolutely totally different. It has nothing to do with the loans these guys made. It has to do with with borrowing, uh, essentially buying bonds from the federal government that are now worth less. And all of a sudden, people get wind that there's something wrong with the place. And just like 1932, they're lined up on the block. And taking their money out, and since everything's considered a demand re- deposit, you give people $100 billion in one day. Where in the old days, $5 billion of that would have been in checking account, and the rest of it in 
passbook account, and people would have had time, the Fed would have had time to stem the tide. Right? So now all of a sudden, $100 billion moved because they thought people were in trouble, and all of a sudden everybody's convinced that over 250000 your money's no good. Brent, this has nothing to do with the normal... This is a total new area. This has nothing to do with the normal, oh, they lent Joe a whole bunch of money on this... You know, is car wash and Joe went under. It has nothing to do with that. This is totally different. Why, is the, why can't anybody explain it like that? I think you just did a very good job explaining it very simply and straightforwardly. And, um, and, and you know, the, the, the other thing that, it, that is concerning is the fact that when you look at the FDIC insurance requirements of, of guaranteeing savings for up to, or, you know, bank deposits for up to $250,000. And that goes away. It also rewards risks on the part of the banks to do things that they otherwise wouldn't. Instead of putting it into Joe's car wash, they're uh, taking riskier investments. Actually, you know, Brennan, I'm gonna, I very seldom argue with you, but I, I'm going to push back on that one. I'm going to say that that um, is close to totally wrong. When I say that, the FDIC is, is nothing but uh, an ointment for the people. If anybody thought f- for a second, for the last long as I've been in business, that I could put my $40 million payroll from General Motors in a bank on a Thursday, and somewhere between Thursday and Friday, the bank wouldn't be good for it. That nobody ever thought like that. The idea is all your stuff is supposed to be good, and I'm not officially guaranteed, but I don't think, I think for, and you know, it's probably better than me for. 40, 50 years, nobody, nobody had ever lost a deposit up until that one, that one funky bank in, uh, was it Washington or New York during the 2008 thing? People actually lost their deposits. But for decades, nobody ever lost a deposit. The FDIC part it was, was a laughingstock. It was just there to make people feel good. It was the opiate of the people. Or where am I wrong? No, I understand your point. Because, I mean, yeah. if you look at the FDIC, never had enough money... <laughs> to guarantee all this, this dough for people, did it? It no. wasn't like it was really an insurance that you actually thought you might ever need it. <laughs> it was never funded like that, was it? No, and it couldn't be funded like that. No. So this whole this whole thing now that if it's over 250 I mean, I, I, some places like your Lakeside Bank, who you're familiar with, those guys yeah. would, uh, and actually, um, RBC, uh, we clear through, my brother always has I mean, if, if you dropped a million bucks in, a, in an account here at PTI, we would elect for you that RBC would take your 250 and put it in four different money markets. So you, you theoretically are, are uh, insured. And all. Same thing with Lakeside. You give them two million bucks, they're going to they're gonna make you deposit in eight, eight member banks in the consortium so that you are, quote, insured. But, but nobody ever thought... That we're going to get to the point where anybody, if you put three hundred thousand in the place, your your mother has to ask the guy for his loan portfolio and go through it on a Saturday if the bank's any good. I mean, nobody ever wanted. Nobody's capable of doing that, Brendan. Are they? Uh, no, they're not. And you know, and I got to be. I got to believe that two fifty for a normal business. I mean, PTI that'd be a lot, but for a normal business, two fifty is a is a is a, a pimple on the ass of an elephant. Mm-hmm. And have you ever thought differently? I mean, really? It, li- it certainly limits the amount of banks that you could go to uh, for your deposits. Well, what what makes you think that the bigger ones are are any are any stronger? If 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 somebody went to J P Morgan tomorrow 
and people decided that place was no good, and on a percentage basis, they wanted to demand 10% of all the money in the place, they'd look just as bad as Silicon Valley, maybe worse. You're right. They would. So what, other than shoving all this money to Jamie Dimon... <laughs> What what are we doing? What what is the what is the talking we're doing? We, now we just gave him another bank. How far over is he for the ten to ten percent deposit limit? For those that don't know, there shouldn't there's not supposed to be an institution that has over ten percent of all the money in the country and on deposit there. What do we have four of them now? And we, mm-hmm. we can't wait we can't wait for them to get the bigger. Which is kind of the antithesis of what happened in the two thousand eight crisis when you saw the banks were too big to fail. Yeah. We're making them bigger, too bigger to to be big, too big to fail. <laughs> we're, we're making the idea, the, the mentality is, if you make sure they have so much money, so much capital, make so much dough, uh, you know. Well, plus, I mean, uh, that, that that somehow they'll be safe. Well, I wish they'd do that to me or you. Tom, we're going to give you five hundred million dollars. That that way, no matter how much you want to go to Vegas once a year or something, you you can't piss it all away. Well, mm-hmm. that, that'd be nice. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to have? Wouldn't that be a nice challenge? I think you and I would have trouble spending five hundred million. Now, now if Matty Weber was with us, he'd find some yatch or something we could spend something on. I could spend it. I'm not, but I'm not big on yatches. If you don't buy yatches, where do you? How could you spend that kind of money? I guess well, you got to have multiple properties and uh, across, you know, multiple. But it, we'd have to call them compounds. You could buy an it? island. Yeah, of course. You could buy an island. Then obviously do... the private jet. Oh yeah, you got. Oh yeah, you got. I forgot about the private jet. Well, how big is your family? You could have a private jet for every person in your family, so you wouldn't have to run the risk <laughs> of the plane going down and losing the entire family so everybody stays safe in their own cocoon. Well, we couldn't have. If we went out and got, like, a really nice dual prop job, which basically fly almost as fast, uh, would we, we couldn't go anywhere with that, could we, and show our face? No. No, I don't think so. You'd have to have a, a Gulfstream or something. Well, see, there you go. There's another. There's another cost that you can have, and that is also for your security team. Yeah. So, uh, Brennan, were you at the pilot, si- You've got your flight attendant. You've got uh, your security. Well, Maddie Weber would want to be the guy who interviewed the flight flight attendants, <laughs> making sure we get the one with the uh, the the absolute you know best uh, able to make coffee and everything else. We wouldn't care what she looked like, right, Maddie? <laughs> Just saying. All right. So, Brennan, are you one of the 20,000 people who are now going to say they were at the Sox game on Sunday? <laughs> no. Uh, I, I will not say that. But that, that was quite a finish. And, boy, the Sox are in horrible shape right now. Um, and, you know, I do not understand how people like Kenny Williams and Han, Rick Hahn still have a job after what's happened in the last two years. Why, why do you think they have the – more injuries than anybody else. It's just bad luck or snake bit or what. I mean, if you have like four, is Mikado ever going to play? Uh, who knows? <laughs> and a shortstop uh, I mean, is what? He's he's won out of two games the last three years, right, Manny? The yeah, last, he's, he's, he's missed a lot of time. Series of injuries. But, you know, last year I think he could have played at the end of the season. I think they held him out deliberately so that uh, he had more time to heal um, because it was a lost season anyway. And now – it looks like it's a lost season at the beginning of this. I do think that in the case of Tim Anderson, that uh, it was an unfortunate injury when he got kneed in the knee by uh, by the runner uh, a few weeks ago. That was really unfortunate. But you know, when you look at the soft tissue injuries like the hamstrings and things that are causing people to go down, you got to wonder about the conditioning of the team. I I think Brennan, and this is a 
you look at these guys compared to the people 30 years ago, those guys, those guys all look like whippets. I mean, I don't I mean, Luis Robert is a big man to be playing center field all year without mm-hmm. something. I mean, he's, he's, he's not, he, you know, I'm saying he, it's, in today's world, he looks in great shape. I'm, I'm sure he does real well on the weight stack and everything. But well, he sure as hell doesn't look like a, you know some of the guys used to. He doesn't look like a young Willie Mays. Yeah. I mean, Andre Dawson was what 100. He was a big man. He, when he played ball, he was what 190 pounds, 185. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these guys are these guys are trying to play at 225. I I, I don't know. It's it's tough to do. I think it is tough to do. And uh, yeah. It, it, it can't just be bad fortune when you see the number of athletes. And I, I mean, I'm being partially facetious here, but 30 years ago, whoever heard of an oblique injury? Yeah. It was going to keep you out of the game for three months. I mean, really, has our physiology changed that much in the period of time that you invent new muscles now that, that, uh, that get hurt and keep people on the bench? Well, baseball has always been a, a really tough game because, I mean, I used to play a lot of a lot of basketball or handball. Once you warmed up, you could do just about anything because it was a continual mm-hmm. action. Where baseball's yeah. not. I mean, you stand there in forty degree weather, and all of a sudden you got to make an incredible move. Well, it's, that's right. It, it's really I mean, tough on just about anything. By the yeah. way, uh, this will be interesting for you, Brian. Uh, I was telling Maddie on the way in. Uh, I got this thing from Cora, Cora, whatever that thing is. Where people ask questions. The question was, who had the best? Uh, last year ever in the NBA on uh, stars and uh, of course this guy said that it was Wilt and the thing that I was stunned about the guy was 36 years old and he played 43 minutes a game his last year wow and like, and like 45 in the playoffs wow so I mean, they didn't hold him back and, and preserve him for the playoffs <laughs> no I mean but, he, but that's he, during most of his career he, he had some years where he played he played more than the amount of minutes because of the few overtimes they were in he never mm-hmm. came he never came out Mm-hmm. You know, and and now I mean, people even even the guys that are twenty five, you know, what do they play? Two thirds of the game, maybe. Yeah, well, that's why you will never see why I think you will never see the Iron Man of consecutive games broken again. No, I think it. You will never see a thirty game winner, and I don't think you're going to see very many twenty game winners among pitchers. Well, we have to uh, we have to dash here, but maybe this question for uh, next time, I. Actually, think maybe it makes more sense to have your your starter go six and then bring guys in afterward in terms of keeping everybody fresh and so forth. But I'm real curious: is if you're only going to go six innings and 85 pitches, why do you need four days rest? Yep. I mean, I, I, there's no way you couldn't be you shouldn't be able to do that on three days rest. I don't. I think. I agree. Just saying. Go back to the four man pitcher rotation. Yeah, well, because everybody needs you need pitchers. I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, S&P Futures are down 650. Nasdaq Futures down 2. Brendan, thank you. I'll be right back. Mr. Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. 
Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down seven. NASDAQ Futures down five. Yeah, we were up and down yesterday. Today's the first uh, day of the two-day Fed meeting. Uh, everybody thinks they're going to do one more 25 and then pretty much stop. Uh, I'm probably in that camp as well, but but we will see. And it'll see. And of course, there's the news conference and all kinds of other stuff. We're going to address some of these bank issues and their total of seemingly lack of any sort of regulatory uh, anticipation. I'll use that term. Dow futures down 48. We've got Uber is actually up uh, 263. They they beat. They're playing 35, uh, 37. Uh, Pfizer beat a little bit as well. They're up a little bit. Over in Europe, we've got. DAX down 29.2%, the FTSE up 3, call that flat. Kek around down 29.4%, so slightly to the downside, but slow in Europe. Malaysia Nikkei up 34, call that flat. Hang Seng up 39.2%, Shanghai up 37, that's a full 1%, 1.14. Australia's central bank hikes, hikes rates by 25 basis points. Uh, so yesterday, uh, in the midst of all the, the not much going on really in the market, we're kind of up and down, even though... 
We didn't do much. We still had a couple of 80-point moves in the, in the, in the NASDAQ futures. Uh, we were down 40 at one point, and then we'd be up 30 a few minutes later. But uh, it was a huge move in the bonds, the 10-year bonds. They were down 3%, uh, which made the uh, rate almost 1.5. Now, today we're going back the other way a little bit, which we'll notice in a second. Uh, 10 years actually down four basis points. We're 3.53. We're up a, a full uh, 10 to 15 basis points yesterday, which is a lot. Uh, Bund down, up four, 2.36. Japan up 3.43. We've got oil uh, down 20 cents, 75.46. Uh, Brent down 18 cents, 79 cents, 13. Natural gas unchanged, 231. Arbob unchanged, 254. Many, I'm going to say the last time oil was 75 hours, we were not paying 426 in the burps. There's a huge difference in the markup. Our Bob is now 254. We're paying like a, a dollar seventy over our Bob, which is really high. A lot of it's taxes and other stuff, but it's not good. Uh, gold trying to get back to 2000 in 1998, up 580. Silver down 21 cents, 2501. Copper down two cents, 390. Gold was up yesterday, turned around huge mid morning, and all the uh, gold price increases we talked about yesterday morning all, all fell apart. Uh, crypto. Up 128 on the Bitcoin, 28,055. And the U.S. dollar, which had a big move yesterday, uh, today is uh, actually up a little bit again, just like it was yesterday. The euro's down to 109.6. It was over 110 yesterday morning. And the pound is uh, 124.7. It was over 125 yesterday. Maddie, what do you have for us? Traffic with the sports after all that stuff. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're actually off to a good start here on a Tuesday morning. No issues coming in on the Edens or Kennedy. Traffic building due to the road construction on the Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Heavy traffic building on the Eisenhower and Stevenson as well, but again, no accidents or stalls or car fires or anything like that, so nothing out of the ordinary. Southside Expressways are behaving themselves as well, so we're off to a good start here. Uh, just looking at normal traffic times with no uh, delays outside of the Kennedy due to the road construction. Weather today, another cold, blustery day as we're about 14 degrees below normal. Overcast skies with a high of 51. Right now it's cloudy and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 89 today. Right now it's mostly clear and 88. In sports, Cubs snapped their three-game losing skid as they took care of the Nats last night in Washington 5-1. Uh, Swanson and Hat both homered in that one. Drew Smiley, seven innings of one-run ball. Cubs are 15 and 13. White Sox were off. They'll host the Twins tonight down on the south side. That will be a cold one. White Sox are 8-21 after they uh, came from behind a win on Sunday. Diamondbacks were off. They're at the Rangers tonight. Uh, D-backs are off to a good start. They're 16-13. Lastly, for our Phoenix listeners, the Suns are now down 2-0 in the Western Conference semifinals as they lost to Denver 97-87 and, and trailed that series, as I mentioned, two games to zero. Chief. Man, is it uh, normal that the, uh, the second round was actually scheduled and starts before the first round was over? Uh, yes. Yeah. So um, the fact that there was a game seven in the Western Conference, um, they they still started the the other series, you know, that that same day. So yeah. So they don't want to give people uh, not used to watching NBA every night because I have. I mean, it's been fun. Yeah. They they try to keep a, at least one game on every single night. Um. Well, that's good. We have Joel. The uh, hey, Bo- Joel, how are you? I'm doing well, Chief and Maddie Ice. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. We're I good. Question for the uh, more mature individual, but Manny's getting mature too. What classic comedy show on TV during the 60s uh, had a lot to do with somebody who had a large deposit in an individual bank? 
in sixties, Chief? Yeah, sixties, maybe. Or, yeah, it had to be sixties, maybe early seventies. Um, man, oh man, that you know, you um, I know Maddie doesn't know it. I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> well, but I, I bet he, I bet he does know it. I mean, I'm sure I've uh, heard of the show. Jackie Gleason, no. you know the Honeymooners. Up from the ground came a bubble and crude. Well, oh, the Beverly oh, Hillbillies be- was all about yeah. Jed. Jed having how many million dollars in Drysdale's bank, and if he ever moved it, Drysdale was toast. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a who who told you that one, Chief? Did you no, come I up with that? I just pulled it out of my. I'm sitting there going, "Wow, it sounds." These the guys pulling the money. It sounds like Mr. Drysdale. <laughs> you know, all, all the stuff he used to do to make sure Jed never went to. What was the other one consolidator or amalgamator? Was he his competitor? Yeah, wow. He probably couldn't even have a show like that anymore, you know? Well, no, because I mean, no, it was it, 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 it pokes fun at everybody, and, and people have totally lost the ability to laugh at themselves. Granny, uh, uh, was there was Granny, there was uh, uh, Buddy Epson, yeah. was uh, Grandpa, and um, Ellie Mae, Oh, God, right? was she hot or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, oh boy, that's a good one, Chief. I might, I might have to, uh, might have to use that. But uh, are you, are you able to stay awake during the day during these markets? Uh, last couple of days, uh, but the, the let's put it this way: the, the, the move by ten o'clock, I can, I, may, I can make it through there. We're doing all the trading and stuff for people, but we, we could, we could easily close at one o'clock. The, 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 the twelve o'clock to two fifteen time frame. What are we even doing open? Uh, I I mean, you've not even a lot of movement overnight, too. Yeah. Um, we're in a quiet period here. We're uh, earning Q, uh, Q1 earnings season. Everyone was looking for the shoe to drop. And, uh, you know, the mega tech so far has pulled it out. Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, a lot of your your staples are doing good, right? They can rent, uh, people with pricing power are doing well. Uh, Uber uh, has a nice move this morning. Yep. People are traveling. Uh, NCLH had a nice day. It's you know it's so hard to uh, you know to figure out this market. Uh, a lot of it is logical, and then other times some of these moves are extremely illogical. Uh, if you do the eyeball indicator, I mean you know I had to return some stuff at the mall. People were at the mall. My buddy went on a cruise. The cruise was packed. I mean people are still spending money as much as the Fed is trying to put a dent into this economy. It's just not working yet. It's just not working. That's why they're going to go a quarter point. They're going to go a quarter point tomorrow. They're going to say, hey, we're not done yet. We haven't finished our job. So for those looking for the Fed pivot and, uh, you know, a big change in interest rates, they better better think again. Well, I they I don't – I think – without getting too heavy of a discussion here, uh, I don't think the Fed has any idea, really, Joel, what they've created. When When you say – you uh, you see uh, people on the cruises. If you go into the bars here in Chicago that are you know twenty five hours a drink, they're full. Yet a lot of smaller places are closing. They I don't think they have any idea with all the different programs and the, and the easy money how much money they stuffed into the pockets of one percent of the people. And 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 the rest of the people you see people older couples checking every single price in the Myers aisle. The, the the disparity is is dramatic, and if and if you, you know, and I think if you just look at the places where, you know, first class travel, yeah, first class travel is doing real well, you know, but I'm not so sure that uh, your smaller hotels where, where the family goes, I'm not so sure they're doing so hot. 
You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I, I mean, it's hard to get a. It's hard to get a view of what exactly is going on when you see it so disparate. I mean, I just I can't believe some of these the momentum trades and some of these stocks. I mean, it goes back to what I don't know. What we had something crash it was two thousand eight or whatever, and I, they have the onion in uh in the in uh Detroit. Well, the onion. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm I mean, not even I, sure I, if that right, thing's I, even published anymore. But I walked down the street and I see the headline was "America desperately looking for another bubble," you know, and, <laughs> and, and it's it is so. I mean, do you believe this, Nvidia? No, nobody uh, wanted the thing at 105, and now it's blowing through 287. It, it just blew through yeah. what 170 times earnings yesterday, and everybody says you just got on it. How do you how do you go from, you know, I mean, this is this. Again, it's craziness. There's no well, you know, you know what, uh, what that you can attribute that to. Well, the, this, AI, well, the, is this uh, AI? Is this the? Oh new? yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, chief. You need chips for AI, and Nvidia is going to make all those chips. Now wait a minute. Is That's... AI? If you say AI, AI, and I say cloud, I'm old now, right? We don't worry about. Oh, cloud. you're like man. Oh my. I mean, we yeah. got to dust you off, man. If you get no <laughs> AI, baby, artificial intelligence, which. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of artificial intelligence, yeah, yeah. and I don't, yeah, and I don't get any credit for it. No, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's uh, it's the AI craze. Even though the AI stocks have cooled off, and it's just a momentum market. I yep. mean, you cannot look at something like uh, you know, Nvidia, and look at the earnings. I mean, it turns and it turns. I mean, I think the most impressive thing about this year is is the Nvidia, and then look look at Meta. Yeah. I mean, no one wanted that thing at ninety bucks, you know. Here it is, a double gap up, and you know, just been uh, straight up. I mean, every AI is helping, uh, you know, Microsoft, and you know, so those are big ones. Apple's due to report. Uh, got to hop in a second, but yep. you got Fed now. They're going to go quarter point and say, "Hey, we're we're not backing down." And then you got Apple Thursday uh, after the close. That stock within an earshot of all time highs. And then uh, jobs number on Friday. Um, you know, and hey, if a regional bank goes down, no big deal, right? Because right? that's the last one. So really incredible market out here. We're maintaining, uh, you know, trying to get over 4,200. We'll see if we can this time. Yeah, okay, bud. Take care of yourself. Talk at you next week. Okay, uh, SP blue. Futures down 5. Nancy Futures down 3. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, 
or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks and Jocks. I'm tomorrow. Yeah, whatever the board, SP Futures down seven. NASDAQ Futures down seven. So we're equal on that. Hey, man, did you watch any of the uh, uh, Cub game uh, last night? It was. Uh, I did. What? Uh, what is the current status of that that franchise? Would you say? I I went uh, the Nationals. I, well, I went. Uh, when the hell did I go? I'm going to say eight, ten years ago. I went out to Washington. I was out there for a conference, and I went two nights in a row to see the Cubs. Just happened to be there. So I sat uh, way up one night, which they got the highest. You ever go there? The, the, there's like five decks in the back. I mean, you're you're way to hell. I have up. not been to that stadium. Well, the, all they do is the broadcasters complain about how high up they are. The is back, it actually in D.C. or is it? It's uh, it's uh, it's at the end of uh, one of the L lines. It's okay. down by. Uh, it's it's actually not that far from RFK. I don't think. Okay. And I think maybe you can actually park at RFK and and, and uh, bus over or something. It's weird. But it's but there's only one stop on the L line to go back, so it's like impossible to get out of there if it's full. And the area had not been built up at all. It might have been part of the Navy Yard or something, because some some guy, uh, just how long ago it was, they were they were building this high high rise across outside of center field with like no tenants, and finally they they talked the government into putting ten thousand people in there from the transportation department or something. But some guy it was just this massive block, empty lot. Across the street, so he he bought. I don't even know what you'd call this. Where's Flanagan when we need him? He he leased the empty lot and got a liquor license and had like music and about four bars. So after the game, it was like a the, the ground was dirt and he wow. paved part of it. And they're like he paved the part where there were real bars and they put tents over them and every pile in there after the game, <laughs> they huh. didn't even have a building. But I mean, the, the but the place was full. It was when they opened that place. The skyboxes and the good seats, the, the literally the, the lot, maybe not quite literally, the lobbyist firms were fighting over them and wrestling for them. I sat one night by behind the third base, not to the left of the third base dugout. I, it was a beautiful summer night. Place was full. The people show. Every lobbyist must have given the tickets to every good-looking girl in, in, in Washington. I never <laughs> saw anything like it. That'd be eighty percent women, and, and they went up to go to the bathroom like every inning to be seen. 
It was like they don't, nobody could have a bladder that week type of thing. <laughs> uh, and now all of a sudden, last night, there's nobody there. I mean, I don't know if the weather, what the weather was like, but are they, the team's terrible. Are, they're, the, they're the third team in Washington, right, in my lifetime? Um, in your lifetime, that's probably true. Um, they're, they're, these, this team's the Expos, right? Correct. Yeah, the Expos moved in uh, 2005, I believe. Um, and they played their first couple years in RFK. I remember that. Yeah. And then I think this stadium was done, I'm guessing, in like 2008 maybe, somewhere in that range. And well, then um, they struggled for a few years, but then they've, they've had a, a long stretch of uh, – of, uh, having some good teams and playoff teams, and then they ended up winning the World Series in, in 2019. When I was there, man, I don't even think they had a – if they did, I don't, I don't think they had a local free TV. Well, we don't hear anymore. They didn't have a local free TV. And I went to, you know, three or four well, – with the group I was with, we went in three or four bars around, like, the White House and stuff. They weren't on. CN, you know, CNN would be on or something in case anybody, you know, saw anything. They had to run back to work or something. Yeah. But, they, but they weren't on in every place. Matter of fact, one place said there, there was no – they weren't even on locally, but the first the first team became the the centers went to uh, Minnesota, right? That's why Killebrew and Bobby, uh, who the big that's got to be right. Howard. Yeah, they, but where did the second team go? Were there the teams? Did that the team that went to Houston or uh, or Texas? Did they go to Texas? That could be. I don't know. We we need it's a it's before my time, and it's something that I've probably read in the past, and I did not retain it. But it was but that wasn't long ago. The centers were a long time ago. I was a kid when that happened. But uh, I don't I don't think this, the other one was because they've had two teams disappear out of there. I, I mean, I hope these guys aren't going to go the same route. But I mean, how many teams do you think are in trouble? I mean, this Tampa's got nobody, and they got a great team. The Marlins, the Cubs were down there. There was nobody there. The two Florida teams, you could always argue, are in trouble. There's no doubt. Oakland is probably the team that's most in trouble um, in baseball right now. And, well, they're moving. And allegedly. it's imminent. They're moving to Vegas. I mean, it seems like it's a done deal. I don't know when. But well, they just bought the property two weeks ago, right? Yeah, so I don't know how long it's going to take. For Actually, that's a question stadium. I wanted to ask you because I only see it once a week. What, I think they're planning on starting in Vegas 27. How the hell are they going to sit three more years in Oakland? With the current, there's nobody there. It's, I mean, they might, why, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you go play in them? They could go play in uh, UNLV's stadium or a minor league stadium in Vegas, and they'll get more people. They get four thousand people. They're not, they're not getting that in Oakland. Yeah, it's true. They could. I mean, they could repurpose the new football stadium. I assume for. Uh, a year or two. I don't know about that. Maybe not, but no, none of these would new, be the first time. I don't think any of these new. You can always repurpose a baseball stadium for football, but you can't well, go the other not right. the opposite. Yeah. You, by the way, you were correct, which I I thought you were on this one. I, I'm still. I'm going to have to look on the other one. But the Senators moved to uh, Minneapolis in 1961. Yeah. And they played in the Metropolitan Stadium. And then, uh, and then of course, after that, then they played in the Metrodome. And now they have their, their brand-new, beautiful Target Field that opened, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Because I remember we took the uh, – God, I was, I was thinking I was in Cub Scouts or something. And we took the, the bus <laughs> to, to the White Sox Park to see him on a Saturday. And to, to, this, to this day uh, – uh, who's the guy? Bobby Allison hit a hit a home run. Maybe the thing was, it hit the second row of the upper deck. The ball was still going up. <laughs> I hit it so hard. It it it, it, it was still rising. When it, when it, <laughs> but they had they had uh, I think they had Allison. They had Harmon Kilbrew and they had Frank Howard in the same team. Talk about some bangers. They had a good team. I mean, I don't know what they had them pitching and stuff. But they had, I mean, those guys. How would you like to go from Washington to Minnesota? It's a change. Yeah, it's a 
Well, when the, what about the Braves going to uh, Milwaukee and all of a sudden they were busy for a while and they they didn't they were you know nine hundred people a game and then they went to Atlanta. There was, there was a lot of that stuff moving around. Well, Mil- it's weird because Milwaukee, the last when I was a kid, you know, at County Stadium in Milwaukee, no one would go to those games. I mean, that stadium was horrible. It was the worst stadium in baseball. It was cold, you know, obviously yeah. April and May. Um, and and terrible weather. And then ever since they opened Miller Park, you know, twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, whenever that was, they've they've been a they've been really well attended yeah. up in Milwaukee. They just needed a, a stadium, and then they've had some good teams, and and they've had some playoff runs. They haven't won a World Series, but they've been competitive, and um, they got a good fan base up there. So I'm I'm. Uh, it was weird because yeah, you're right. There was nobody going to games back in the day in Milwaukee. What what is the you know, I, I should keep up on this since we are Stacks and Jacks, but then again, you're our, our sports executive producer. Can you, if if you get no, nobody there, now nobody's, you know, a, a very small fan base, th- is there enough common money for you to compete now? I mean, it didn't used to be at all, but now, it, I mean, you know, Kansas City, they got a crummy team. Are they just, they just people just hurt or whatever or something? I mean, but if, if, you, if you're, I mean, the Marlins managed to compete, uh, Tampa Bay has for a long time. Tampa Bay, definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, can you, is there enough for you to be? I mean, you're not going to have a two hundred million dollar payroll or two twenty five like the Yankees. But if you have, if you got nobody there, can you still, can you still manage one fifty with the with the common money or not? I don't know if it's one fifty, um, but it, it, there's a number. I'm pulling up the payrolls right now to tell you exactly what Oakland is paying this year, and I assume they're dead last. Yeah, they are. Um, they're dead last, and they have a $58 million payroll. Tampa what? has a $73 million payroll, and they're the best team in baseball. So there you go. What do, what do you suppose? What, every Cubs time and I... Sox are right by each other, by the way, in payroll. Cubs are 12th, $182 million. Sox are 13th, $182 million. The Cubs have spent uh, three, it, lo- it looks like $300,000 more than the White Sox. Well, I, they... Identical uh, payrolls. I, I am... Absolutely stunned, but, but you, know, you never know, Maddie. Because this is it's like the guy on the sacks that uh, didn't run the first base the other day, Robert, and then they yanked mm-hmm. him out of the game, and then they were more pissed at him because he had a hamstring injury and didn't tell anybody than not running, I guess. Uh, but I, you, you wonder how how uh, truthful these guys are with the team. This, this this Bellinger thing right now. I mean, who knows? He it may turn out to not work out so good, but. I always thought that guy was really good, and then you could you could just yeah, tell all the talent in the world. But you could just tell last year, the dude just wasn't himself. Now I don't know if he didn't. He he was had a couple of nicks. I don't see how the hell it he was did. more than last year though. It was yeah, but he he had, he had an injury that didn't really didn't heal. Something something was, but he he was not. How do you hit a major league baseball if you're not 100? percent First of all, how do you hit it if you are 100? percent But yeah. I mean, all of a sudden now this guy looks like he hadn't, he hasn't missed a day. Well, I saw the stat last night. You may have seen it too. That his uh, his April that he had, where he slugged six twenty five, and the guy was just incredible. A doubles machine, hit, hit for some power, played great defense. It was his best month since April of twenty nineteen, when he won the MVP that season. So it's not like you know he had one bad year. I mean, he had basically four bad years, or twenty twenty one, twenty two. So three bad years uh, after his MVP, and like you said, injuries were a big part of that, no doubt. But after three straight years of of nothing, I mean, they couldn't justify paying him when they already have a huge payroll in L.A. 
you know, they've been number one in payroll for a while. Yeah. This year, they've they they let a bunch of guys go. Like Trey Turner is gone, and Bellinger is gone, and a few other guys. And so they dropped to number five in payroll, but they're still you know two hundred twenty five million. Or the Cubs is he is he big salary at the Cubs? No, the Cubs got him for a, a big discount, um, which is why they were happy to get him. Um, let me see what he's making. I mean, it's not like he's making nothing, but he's uh, making twelve million bucks this year. Well, I don't, I don't. Somehow, Matty, this, this, this is the part that you and I we never, we never joust about, but we sort of a little bit. We have, we have the technology now, and you know way more about this than me. We, we can, we can figure out whether or not how many times the the ball is spinning home is is why the pitcher is getting hit because he he's not spinning it as much as he did the last yeah. time. We have all this stuff. You can't tell me that uh, 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 somebody who really knows a lot about hitting couldn't have put two two or three or ten or a hundred at bats when he was going good and after he had these nagging injuries. You you can't tell me there wasn't somewhat of a difference that was correctable there, where he didn't even know he had changed something. Well, the Cubs obviously thought that yeah, and uh, were willing to uh, take a flyer on him. But I'll bet if you looked last night at a couple t- balls he went back on, and you look last year, early in the year, when he was still nagging a little bit, you're going you're gonna to see a difference in how fast he could run and everything else. I mean, it's, in, in this world, none of this stuff should be secret, <laughs> right? Just saying. I mean, it, but, it, but the Cubs seem to have picked some people up. The shortstop, plus they, had, they could move Horner back to his natural position. They went for, i got to believe there isn't a team in baseball that has better defense up the middle, is there? I don't think so. With uh, Swanson, Horner, and Bellinger. Yeah, it's and, about and the catcher's pretty good, too. Ca- Jan Gomes has been solid, and he's been hitting the crap yeah. out of the ball. He got hurt last night with an apparent concussion. We'll see. Well, he got whacked with a bat. That yeah, would do so it. it didn't help. But um, he, do- he doesn't wear the, the hard hat under the mask, does he? I assume he does. I, I don't know for maybe, sure. Maybe he got hit lower than that, but he got whacked yeah. pretty good. Yeah, so That's gotta hurt. I, there, there's no doubt that you know the, the Cubs over under Vegas projection was 75 wins, which would would be an improvement, but still below 500. Um, but it, you watching this team, barring a bunch of injuries, because they don't have a lot of depth. But if right. they can stay relatively healthy, I mean, this is a much better than 75 win team. Well, the kid at third base, not only has he worked really hard, but he's got people behind him now. Yeah, all of a sudden now he's 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 a, he's a one man gang. And they got guys in Double A and Triple A that are that are coming. Um, whether it's later this year or, or certainly next year, that are that are impact players that are that are going to fill in for some of these older veteran guys that are just kind of filling the gaps, the Trey Mancini's and the Eric yeah. Osmers and guys like that that are okay but are kind of replaceable. They got young guys that are ready to take those spots. So I really believe the Cubs are are kind of right in their entering their kind of next championship window of the next four well, years. As much as I don't want to give them any credit, because I'm not a big Ricketts fan, the bullpen, the difference between. The other day between them and the Sox, where the, where the guy had no hitter through six in the Sox, he, they take him out of the game and they give up ten in the seventh. <laughs> where the, where the, the guy in the Cubs gave up five in the first, they almost came back and won that yeah, game. Yeah, lost by one. The, 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 leaf, the Leaf pitchers didn't even give up a run, did they? Correct. Anyway, SP Futures down eight and SP Futures down, down 12. Be right back with the professor. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, what bank stocks and jacks? I'm Tom Allen, Matt Weber on the board. SP futures down seven, NASDAQ futures down eight. We've been, yeah, we were unchanged when we came in, we didn't, but we're we're uh, slow before the Fed meeting. They're meeting today, and uh, tomorrow will be the announcement and the and the uh, big the big uh, news conference. Matty, when are you going to get us me into the news conference or or somebody? <laughs> as long as you have something to say. Well, you got the you got our, the one guy in, and he got tossed. Pedro, right? Yeah, our buddy Pedro da Costa. We, we we should call him. We wonder what he's doing now. He'd hey. always come back on. Hey, professor, how are you? Hey, good, Tom. How you doing? Doing all right, Matty. Since you uh, two guys that we would love to have on, love to have him on, and and the the guy who does the uh, the murder investigations, Peter Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We we actually did a show and he was on uh, he was out staring at a body one morning. He goes, "Hey, I I got a break for a second. They're they're talking about they're, they're talking over the guy's body or something." We had a we had, maybe had to cut him off for like a minute and a half. Remember that, maybe? That was bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> Is it, wasn't that a scene in a movie called uh, uh, Bruce Almighty? Uh, maybe <laughs> I've seen that movie. But uh, <laughs> hell, just as a refresh, a little bit, Manny. What was he was a. Because one day I, I I bleeped up and and said you you work for the Trib right and he goes no I don't he, he was a free agent right he would go out and then he would sell the article to the guys or something? well I, he did that for a while he did work for the Tribune for a while and he's worked for a couple others as well um, but yeah I think he's a free agent now that kind of covers uh, violent crimes and then um, and then writes stories I guess and and I guess freelances and, and sells them to whatever paper wants to pick him up I think that's what he's doing now well the, the nice thing about that this boy talk about tongue in cheek. Is he used to have to be out at three thirty in the morning all the time, Hal? But now there's enough murders in the middle of the day that you don't. You can actually keep a regular hours and, and go. <laughs> well, yeah. Six. Now the murders are just called what misdemeanors, uh, misdemeanor uh, trespassing. Uh, well, it, it, well, you could get. What was it? The uh, what? Do they, what do they call my my buddy from uh, Notre Dame's wife who got shot in the expressway? Man, she, she was just collateral damage. They were shooting each other. She got in the middle. Yeah. That's a. It's not collateral. It's something, something. But it's, there's a term for it. But it's how, how, how you can even think of something like that. That's what. Uh, what's his name? You remember him? Remember Donald Rumsfeld? Or they'd send a. They'd try and kill some no good overseas, and they'd you know hit some building next to it and kill ten people, and it was just collateral damage. Their fault. They're in the wrong spot. Or yeah. or when uh, the uh, bomb administration uh, ordered that drone kill on that American citizen in Yemen at a coffee shop, and you know yeah. all this. Collateral death. I guess it was justifiable. Yeah, the you know, American he, citizen. Yeah, the American citizen had no due process rights, and he was killed for a speech. Yeah, you know, it just. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know where these guys where where the morality goes. Sometime. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So what what are you what are you uh, teaching your class regarding this whole banking situation? And 
I, I'm stunned. I've been talking about it for three days now about how most of the stuff you hear has really nothing to do with what the problem is. I, what uh, do you think these banks? The, the money is leaving these banks. You know, I think something very simple. They're not paying any interest. And we, yeah, well, we, I don't think they can pay interest because Silicon Valley Bank was locked into these and your treasuries they bought a couple of years ago, and they couldn't sell it. The, the price of those things plummeted because you could buy a new treasury, a five-year or two-year, at four or five. So they were kind of stuck. And, you know, the funny thing about it, the ironic thing about it is, I think if you would have asked people like six months ago, if you looked at Silicon Valley Bank and how safe they were with these securities that they had purchased at the lower interest rate, I think most people would have thought, well, they played it safe. They're, they're playing it good, right? Well, you know, by definition... Um, I, well, I haven't taken my Series 7 in a long time, but I'm, sh- I'm sure it's still there someplace. Uh, by definition, if, if you're going to be a, a securities person in this country, you have to describe U.S. Sh- securities as no risk. Yeah. Yet. You do, yeah. T- talk about BS, huh? Yeah, I mean, th- th- I think they're doing, I mean, they're doing exactly what the politicians would have wished, right? They're not doing what... Uh, people in the in markets would have done, I don't think, because people in markets would have said, well, what happens if the Fed raises interest rates substantially to offset all the inflation they created when they increased the money supply by 40-50% a, a year and a half ago? And the funny thing about the money supply, although I think year-over-year money supply growth, M2, is negative right now, it is way above the trend line that it had been on prior the pandemic. So even though it's coming down, there's still this massive bubble of money that was printed that we have to work off. Well, they, We're not back to the trend. We're not back to that upper trend. They yeah. uh, they put so much money in, Hal, that uh, you were the only guy who knew what this term was because I did when my Fed guy told me. M0 was actually bigger than M1 for a while. M0 is the money that the, the banks kicked back to the Fed overnight and get paid interest on it. They had yeah. some... They're going to have to drag so much out of the system just to get the slop out before you actually yeah. get to actually lowering the amount of money in circulation. It's not even – I don't even think they've made a dent in that yet. Yeah, and, and, I, and, I, I don't it, think they have. Yeah. But, no, I, think but, about, I think they're about a third of the way there. But, but, the, it, but, it's, but it's, so, it's so uneven. You're not going to get – like Joel was just talking about how the you know, cruises are full. You're, you're not going to get to the people who got – the millions of dollars in the PPP. I won't say they didn't do it illegally. That's what the, that's what the law said, and uh, you know the law reads what it reads. Uh, but there would there would be people who said maybe they were not deserving. Okay, if you really looked at it closely, it doesn't mean they did anything wrong. I mean, if if, if you and I had the uh, the, uh, the 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 refuse company uh, that never missed a day, uh, never never missed a check from uh, whoever it is, we do you know. Naperville, or name the name the suburb, or whoever it is, and we applied for it anyway and got millions of dollars, even though we had a regular business going. I'm going to say we we would have made that claim, even though in our heart of hearts knows knew we didn't deserve it. You're not going to get that money back from those people. That's just money in somebody's pocket. That's some that's a new car. That's a that's, that's twenty vacations. Those, you, well, you know, humans are uh, uh, they're rational. Uh, when people talk about well, that seems irrational. Like when I was uh, talking about how. Uh, I did a research paper where 
um, I was exploring this idea of uh, time limits, right? And I'm from a border uh, town, Lewiston, Idaho. And I had friends who would move across the border. They wouldn't actually literally move across the border. They would say they live with their dad so they could play on the varsity team in Clarkson, Washington, because they got cut from the Lewiston team. But they, they, they would say they move out of their mom's house to live with their dad. So I'm really aware of what goes on near borders, especially in rural cities. Not like New York City where there's a huge cost to doing this, right? But I was doing this research about uh, time limits, welfare time limits. Remember the welfare reform where they put in the five-year time limit? Well, that's a federal limit, but these programs are state programs. And so the state of Idaho would put in place a five-year maximum of TANF assistance. Well, what? And I hypothesized, what would happen if a, a single mother with four kids was living in Lewiston, Idaho? What would happen if she got to her fifth year? She might just move across the border into Clarkson, Washington, which is like driving under an interstate in Chicago. Yeah. Right. And then when she moves to Clarkston, she could literally restart the clock. And I had medical doctors say, well, I'm, I'm a pretty smart person. And um, I don't know that. So I, I, I don't know how to do that. And I go, well, that's because you're a medical doctor and you, you focus all your energies on being the best medical doctor you can. A person like my mom, a single mom, who's faced with a five-year time limit, has chosen a career we'll call it a career, it's a rational decision in my opinion, to use these benefits. And they, they talk to each other, they have friends across the border, they're communicating, and they figure out how to extend their time limit by they, just moving across the they border. Know, they know every every trick in the book. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're making these conversations. They have these conversations. And then going back to what you're talking about, people, when they, when they hear that your business can get this low-cost, almost no-cost loan, what might people do? They might open up a business. This Murray Rothbard talks about this with uh, uh, Rockefeller. Rockefeller was focused on you know, keeping his market share at or above 90%, and he put out a standing order that he would buy up any uh, refinery. And so what entrepreneurs did, they heard that, and what they do? They created fake refineries that they would then sell to J.P. Morgan, or not J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller. Yes, they right? are. So people, well. yeah, people would, people are really creative, and I wouldn't call it irrational. They're just responding to the incentives they're faced with. Well, you, it, it reaches the, the point, Helen, this, this is the, uh, if you're, I suspect you were into a lot of sports, I mean, Maddie and I, you know, played together for a long time. Oh, been... the, the conversations I was having over the NFL and the draft yesterday with my students was crazy. <laughs> uh, it, it was basically just, I mean, what, what is the NFL really? It's 32 businesses who are allowed to collude to form a cartel that we know as the NFL. They're allowed to car- cartelize and form this monopoly known as the NFL. I mean, what, what is that? That is a cartel. Sure it is. And what do they do? They reduce the number of games, the quantity of their output, by being in this uh, cartel. If it was a free market, they might play 25 games. Well, but because they're in this cartel, I, wouldn't, I don't think they'd play 25 18. games with the same people. But I think you'd have yeah. you'd have a lot more teams. You'd have a lot more teams. You'd have a lot more games, probably, right? Yeah. And, and maybe an owner would have a couple teams, so you'd well, have a lot more football. Well, they don't. Right? 
they don't actually have an antitrust exemption, although they act like they do when they tell people they do. They don't actually have one. Yeah, and, and, the, and the draft is even worse. I mean, what yeah. is the draft? Well, it's crazy. Yeah, the draft. The draft is a vehicle where the owners grab all the surplus, all the worker surplus of the rookies. Now, why do the why do the veterans allow that to happen? Because uh, the veterans do the same thing to the owners in the veterans market. They put they put rookie salary caps on so the veterans make more money. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to debate that one, uh, we'll have you on with Lou sometime because once you get involved in a collective bargaining situation, the the players allow them to have the draft, even though. Oh yeah. But even even though well, they the give player, it up. Yeah, but even though they the players that signed the contract aren't the ones. Now in the draft, yeah. so the, the the guy coming out of college has no representation. He, yeah. he essentially is into a, going into a union shop, and the union shop yeah. says, I mean, "The veterans, the veterans are take the owner surplus in the veteran market, and in exchange for that, the owners get the rookie surplus in the draft." So it's right. It's a, well, no, well the the veterans get the get the the uh, amount that the rookies don't get. Yeah, exactly. By doing this, right? Yeah. They grab the owner surplus, and then they allow the owners to grab the rookie surplus. But I've had many, right? many animated discussions with Lou regarding. I don't. I'm not so sure. It's it's like the, and we've seen it happen in other unions. And the auto workers said, "Okay, if you think we're being paid too much, I'll tell you what. Keep us at forty bucks an hour, but a new guy coming in, just pay him twenty. Yeah. Well, the new well guy, if you the, think about what yeah, but new guy doesn't have a seat. Lab- there's no new guy at the table. Yeah, yeah. You know. If you if you think about what labor demand is, right? Labor demand on the uh, salary axis, the vertical axis, that that point where that de- demand curve touches that vertical axis, that's what owners value the number one draft choice at. But what do they get to pay that guy at? They get to pay him at a, a negotiated lower rate, which no, you can won't consider be, to be the market rate. It's not rate, negotiated right? with that guy. It's negotiated. Yeah. There's a slot. It's all screwed. Yeah. You know, one of these days, I, you might be the only person. Uh, maybe next week when you're on, if Maddie reminds me, the the antitrust exemption that baseball has is the most contrived, bleeped up thing I've ever read. You know, you know how they got that. I'll talk about it next week because it's a long story. You know, you know, you know where it came from. Baseball actually has one. You know, we already got it from. Where's that? They got it from the Supreme Court. Hmm. That didn't believe. They didn't didn't think that teams going from state to state to play other teams was really interstate com- interstate commerce. Oh man! Yeah, they said it. It was something like uh, what was the word? It was Judge. Uh, the hell, wasn't learning hand. It was one of those a uh, real. Wendell Holmes might have been. It was, it was a very a very well thought of Supreme Court justice. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. Who is, well, I'll, I'll have the whole story next week. It, okay. it, it, it is fascinating that they they claim just because you're going from New York to Boston, that's ancillary. It's not really because the, the antitrust laws are only in interstate commerce. Yeah, and, and they judge that baseball was not interstate commerce. <laughs> okay. that, that's crazy. I don't know. A how first you do grader, that. a first grader would say, "What are you talking about?" Well, the, the Sox just went the, to Minnesota uh, to play. FDR FDR uh, argued that uh, healthcare wasn't commerce and that allows the states to set up these cartels of health insurance uh, companies within their state well it's reached a point where 
it'll be really hard to compete out of state because to get networks in every state would be really tough. Yeah. It's, it's now it's the network. It's it's how much you pay versus the other guy, which is another another whole story of the antitrust yeah. that shouldn't be their way. I mean, if you go in for an appendectomy, I I just I just looked at a well I, somebody I know uh, who can't who can't afford it. His wife just went to one of the hospitals here, and I won't say which one, for a day of like tests. Okay, so they gave her I saw the list maybe seven or eight tests. One was a you know full body scan, so they must have been looking for cancer or something. But the total value of the deal is eighteen grand in a day. Wow, eighteen grand. So now that's that's half a year's pay for a median worker for yeah. one day. I mean, well, here, here's the funny thing, Tom. If your pet, if your cat or dog had to get the same test, they'd be a fraction of that, and they'd be able to. Uh, but they're climbing up. higher. They're they're rising rapidly. <laughs> they absolutely right. And now, now that there's pet insurance, they're rising rapidly. Yeah. Uh, but so well, what does insurance do? It, it increases the demand for the. So he, he, he has to when pay, I was a kid. So this guy has to pay a deductible, and he pays twenty percent. So they want five grand out of him. Well, yeah. I mean, that's well, you, you know, there's an entrepreneur listening to this would be like, dude, talk about some incredible margins. I'm going to jump into that market. Well, there are people. Well, in, what, there are people in the market. I know there are people yeah. in the market. If you want to get a an MRI, uh, you can go get one for six hundred yeah. bucks. But yeah. if you go to Northwestern, it'll be six grand. Yeah, I mean, but you, in a lot of states, in a lot of states, the, the entrepreneurs saying, "I'm going to open up a hospital right across the street from that one because they got incredible margins." But that particular state has a con law, and the incumbent hospital can say, "We don't need the additional hospital beds because we have." It's you know, I, I, I don't think that works. You know, I, I'm speaking out of school here, Maddie. Help me. I, I don't think that works for testing facilities because they're all over the place, right, Maddie? There's, there's, there's yeah, got, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be question. thirty MRI places yeah. around. Yeah, there's one in the burbs. You can walk in without even a prescription. Just tell me yeah. you want one. Well, in Canada, in Canada, when they had their, they had this. Uh, I read this article in Canada about their healthcare system. But people get in a queue, right? Yeah. They have to get in a queue because there's so much demand for their services, and a lot of them come to the United States to take a vacation and get their knee fixed in Florida, right? But in Canada, you can't buy medical services unless it's government provided. But they were allowing uh, companies in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, to open up a very specific um, private practice where all they do is they fix like elbow joints, right? Yeah. And so these these little clinics would pop up, right? And that's just the market trying to get around um, the, the the government control, right? So either the government allows uh, a black market to become legal. With regard to like actually being legal, or they just look the other way and it becomes a gray market, or it's a black market where it's actually illegal and the people participating are going to get. It's, it's exactly it's exactly that. I mean, if it, to compete against these big places that have been allowed to combine really since we've been doing the show, Matty, how many we're down to how many hospital groups left in Chicago? Like four. I mean, it, it, the hospitals are all they're all combined now, and even yeah. your doctors, your doctors are all combined. It's. I mean, it's very rare to have a, an independent doctor. I mean, if, if you really think about that, that's basically what's going on in college football. Yeah, you have these two super conferences that are colluding with the, you know, Fox on one side, Fox Sports on one side, and ESPN on the other side. And whether they're doing, they're picking off the best properties from the lesser conferences. And so what you have is you have now you have this formation of a college football conference that's just college football, right? It's like a bunch of like. Former uh, 
non-Power 5 football teams that want to kind of break into the system, and they're forming a football-only conference, right? So it's the same kind of activity that's going on in college football. Well, what, uh, what do you think the danger, and now that we have many here, let's certainly include, this, this thing going on, we've been talking about the people in the portal, and the people changing hands, and these, and I've been trying to keep track of, or at least give people knowledgeable, and how these uh, name, image, and likeness, how the, the different stratas of how that's working, and how what was allegedly intended by the Supreme Court, and what was probably not intended, and and kind of the pitfalls of the direction they're all going in terms of taxation, in terms of workman's comp, in terms of everything. I mean, I think you hear more about it on this show than you do anywhere else. Uh, what do you think the chances are of people just saying, I don't give a crap if I go to a Notre Dame game anymore. It's so different from what it was when I was there, when you actually had students doing this stuff. I mean, th- these kids can't be students. I mean, the girl at DePaul met at, we were on last week, uh, she's got 30 offers. Is she a freshman or a sophomore? What's her name? The, the basketball star? Um, no she, idea. She was on, and she's narrowed it down to five schools. Now, I, I'm going to say, Hal, there's no way on God's earth that she is doing that herself. You know, I mean, she has to have somebody. Now, maybe, maybe, you know, she's got an uncle who's a lawyer with nothing better to do or something who's doing it for her. I doubt it. But, I mean, so now there's a person there. And my, my question, my economic background says, okay, how's this guy getting paid? It's not like Lou would say he'd become an agent of some kid who's going into the NFL draft and he knew the guy was going to be making, you know, whatever per year and you're going to get a piece of that. So you were willing to pay for his new car, right, Matty? Or you were willing to pay for his expenses to the combine because you were going to get paid when he signed a contract. Well, nobody is going to take this girl's future in the WNBA. So somehow or another, he's getting paid. Now, either it's an hourly rate, which she doesn't have probably, or I'm talking about her like she's sitting here, but, or whatever he gets her in the name, image, and likeness, if he gets her hundred grand a year to go to, say, Carolina or someplace, his name in a school, it's gonna it has a better money system than DePaul. Is what's he what's he gonna charge, man? Is he gonna get forty percent of the hundred? He's gonna have to get something. I mean, or else, or else why would you do it? You know, and if you have yeah, he's getting he's getting something. Yeah, and, I, I mean, there's, there's no right. way that he's that he's you know just waiting until she becomes a WNBA player four years yeah. from now. I mean, that's not gonna happen. I, I nobody be that dumb. I don't think um, so. Yeah. I mean, you wonder where this all is all heading, and I got to believe somebody's going to make a workman's camp claim, and it's all going to blow up, or it's going to continue to be protected, and the the government will look the other way and say these kids are really. Plus, Hal, have you ever seen an industry where the the people who who paid the employee are not the same people who the, the kid worked for? Yeah, well, you know, I think what's going to happen with the uh, transfer portal is that the big schools will probably recruit only four and five stars, and then. The people that they think that are just developing late, that they're going to add a couple inches or going to add 20 pounds just because they're maturing later, those three-star athletes are going to go to the smaller schools. But the coaches at the big schools that were really recruiting them hard and would have pulled the trigger and brought them in, are gonna, they're going to wait until they develop, and then they'll encourage them to do the transfer portal right of the program. So it's going to make these big football programs bigger. Well, I don't know if Matty remembers, but... You know, we have an ongoing uh, wager <clears throat> on this, Mitty. That by the year uh, 2025, I think it was, um, if, if we're everybody's still here, uh, you and I have a bet. I'm going to say that there's going to be 
a break off of several schools that totally stop high school recruiting and just work the portal. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Why my we- my nephew, my nephew uh, Logan, he's benching like five, or he's uh, benching like three fifty, three sixty, and he's squatting like almost six hundred. But he's only six foot two, and he plays guard. And um, if he was six four, six five, I think he'd be recruited by Washington State. But he's only six foot two. His grandpa, his grandpa, was six nine. So I think if he grows a couple inches, he'll be a, a great target because he's very athletic. I mean, he has a vertical leap. He's fast. Uh, he has great technique. He's just not tall enough for a big time program. If he if he adds a couple inches, he'll probably enter the transfer pool. I'm guessing. And I have no control over his colonel. All I know is him and I were born on the same day, November 15th. Well, if he's, if he's and, uh, he doesn't have a scholarship. Well, he has a scholarship. Okay. Yeah, he has a scholarship, but not to a big uh, name conference school. Okay. But if he was if he was 63 if he was 64, 65, I think he would have been he would have been picked off, but his metric for height doesn't quite get him there, right? Well, if I if I could have jumped, I I could have been a basketball player. Did you see that BYU uh, offensive lineman? Oh, the, that, that kid, he's, is he the, that kid's he's really He's the guy good. that has a 37-inch vertical leap. That's the guy who was, uh, I saw him in one of the bowl games or something, or the playoff game. Didn't they, they were the guys that beat Southern Cal? And yeah, the, I don't know, I don't remember. Manny, who beat Southern back. Cal at the end of the year to knock him out of the top Oh, that's Pitt. That was Pitt. No, 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 it was one of, it was, it was a was a it was either Utah it was or Utah, not BYU. Oh, Utah. Utah. Okay. God, who was the offensive guard on that team? The guy was like twenty four. He was like a man among boys. Who was that guy? He, <laughs> well, he was, he's a returned missionary, man. He, yeah, he was. When he you go when you go on your mission, you you get all this free food and you gain about thirty pounds. <laughs> oh, he was he was he was awesome. He was he was doing like the the kid from Notre Dame where he blocks somebody at the line, knocks him out of the way, and then runs out and catches a linebacker. He's blocking two guys on one play. Well, I'm telling you that BYU offensive tackle, the left tackle, I don't know how he didn't go in the first round. I mean, the, his athleticism is just incredible. I think he's six foot eight, well, 37 inch vertical leap. And I think he has a 10 foot standing long jump. It's crazy. I don't think how I had, athletic he is. I don't think I had a seven inch vertical leap. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, you'd be surprised. When I was in high school and, and a few years out of the Navy, my leap was about 30 plus, maybe 33, depending wow. on. The situation, yeah. But I had short arms. I have very short arms, so it's hard for me to dunk. <laughs> I have big feet, longer legs. I got short arms, small hands, but I have 30-inch vertical leap. I had a quick release. It's the only thing that saved me. <laughs> well, Rod, my brother, he's shorter than me, and he would do these layups where the ball is spinning off the backboard, and they'd go in, and he only had a one-inch vertical leap. And I'd be up there 30 inches in the air trying to block the thing, and I'd miss it by an inch. <laughs> well, that's – God – it's all it's all about uh, anticipation. If you don't if you don't show, you're gonna. That's <laughs> guys like Jerry West. They never got blocked because you couldn't tell no, when huh? he was, you couldn't tell when he was a shoot. And all of a sudden, it was gone. He had a quick release. And uh, well, quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks save themselves by having a quick release? Right, Manny? Well, the, I was talking about this with my uh, um, brother-in-law Jeff. Uh, the athletic quarterbacks, I think they get a moral hazard because they're so athletic and they can get out of the pocket and they're they're more likely to pull and run. Or Tom Brady, I mean, if you watch his tape, his uh, combine tape, dude looks like the most unathletic guy you're ever going to meet in your life. He looks like he should be an accountant. But, man, he, he doesn't have the athletic ability. What does he have to do? He has to make that decision in a in a second. And he's so good at that, making that quick but, but decision. Mental, since he could hit. 
Men- mentally, I mean, I mean Larry Bird, there, there's all kinds of people his size that had, quote, more uh, basketball ability, if you want to, you know, jump. But the guy had court awareness. He had, yeah. he, he had game smarts. He knew, where, he knew where every player was on the floor, knew where they were. He had great hands. I mean, that's, there's, there's more to this. There's more than this than just, you know, jumping and running. Uh, yeah, did you see? Have you seen the old film of Arvidas Sabonis when he played as a youth on the Russian teams? That dude was incredible, oh, man. All these guys, crazy I mean, good. Yeah, there's there's no such thing as anybody who ever played for the NBA that wasn't really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean the this film the though. Have you haven't seen his film? If you haven't seen his film in his early twenties on the the Soviet basketball team or his uh, Russia uh, professional team, it is crazy how the good that guy was. In terms of passing, it was unbelievable. I mean, his passing makes Larry Bird look like me. Well, when we were at Pullman, we got to break here. We played a flag football game against the uh, the guys in the plant, and one of the guys in the plant was Mel Blunt's older brother, who didn't make wow. the, didn't make the pros. And I'm thinking, if his brother's that much better than this guy, God, this guy, <laughs> this guy didn't make the pros. I'm like, he was, you know, six two, one eighty, built like a like a lean greyhound. Fastest guy in him, and, you know. Did, and he didn't, and he didn't make it. I mean, it's like holy crap. That's if he was yeah. down ten. That's if he was down nineteen. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. 
Well, we're back to Stacks and Jackson. Tom Howell, Matt Weber, the board. SP futures now down 9. NASDAQ futures down 15. And for those of you who think that maybe the market, which has been missing lately on some of these straddles, Uber last night, the straddle was 3 bucks. The stock is up 3 bucks. So exactly in the straddle. So unlike the Facebook last week where the, where the or meta, where the straddle was like 12 and I think it was 30. So we've been blowing through a lot of them. But Uber, everybody had it pegged just right last night. Uh, over in Europe, we've got... The uh, DAX up 62, I'm sorry, down 62.4%, puts you down 11.1%, CAC round down 43.6%. These guys are pretty much unchanged an hour ago, so they're they're leaking south over there right now. Uh, the uh, uh, British Petroleum is down 5%, that's one of the reasons. Over in Asia, we have Nikkei up 34.1%, Hang Seng down up 39.2%, Shanghai up 37.1%. Shanghai's been strong lately. As uh, China allegedly is reopening and coming back, and who the hell knows on that one. Wave review on yesterday. Dow is down 46. S&P down 1. NASDAQ unchanged. Was the last time you saw that, unchanged. Uh, Bonds, which had a big move yesterday to the downside, uh, she creeping up a little bit today, so the, the rate is down 3 basis points to 3.54. We got 3% move in the 10-year yesterday, which is really a big move. Uh, Bund up 5 basis points, uh, 2.38. Japan up three basis points at 0.43. We've got oil down again, 18 cents, 75.48. Rent down 18 cents, 79.13. Natural gas down four cents, 227. Remember that huge cut that we're all worried about with OPEC? Well, it was lower than when they cut. Uh, gold up 360, 19.95. It's waffling back and forth on its 2000 line. Silver down 25 cents, 24.98. Copper down three cents, 39. Was big, big move in gold yesterday from up to down. As the, uh, the, as the dollar made a big move yesterday when the bonds made their move. So everything is tied together here. Just keep thinking that. Bitcoin up 159 uh, to 28,086. And we've got the U.S. dollar again before the Fed meeting. Slightly stronger. Uh, pounds down to 109. Oh, I'm sorry. The euro's down to 109.6. And the British pound's down to 124.7. They were both higher than that yesterday morning, as everybody should recall. Eddie, we got first traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a couple of accidents to report. Uh, Looks like uh, Dan Ryan local lanes on the uh, inbound side just before Roosevelt Road. There is a crash that's causing significant delays as you're heading inbound on the Ryan local lane. So, um, keep you know, I guess you're going to have to deal with that if you're already on there. Otherwise, I would try to avoid that. Uh, That's our biggest issue on the south side. We also have a crash on the outbound Stevenson. This is right at Kedzie which is exit 288, and it's backed up all the way to Damon, exit 290, uh, with stop-and-go traffic due to that crash with crews arriving on the scene. So those are our big uh, accident concerns. We are seeing heavy traffic volumes on uh, all of the uh, area expressways as we are you know, in the um, 7.30 a.m. hour here, folks heading into work. Uh, but those are the two crashes to report. Weather today, uh, cloudy and cold, well below normal as it's been the last several days. Uh, we should see a bit of a warm-up hopefully beginning tomorrow and Thursday. But today, overcast with a high of just 51. Right now, it's cloudy and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 89. Right now, it's clear and 88. In sports, Cubs beat the Nationals 5-1. Cubs are 15-13. and 13. Sox were off. They'll host the Twins tonight uh, down at guaranteed rate. That's a 6-10 Chicago time first pitch. White Sox are 8-21. and 21. Diamondbacks uh, were off as well. They're at the Rangers uh, tonight, and the Diamondbacks are off to a good start. They're 16-13. and 13. Lastly, NBA Western Conference semifinals for our Phoenix listeners. The Suns, unfortunately, are down two games to nothing now after losing Game 2 to the Nuggets, 97-87. to 87. 
team. You think the Lakers got a chance against uh, Golden State? I do. I do think they have a chance. Um, they're playing as well as anyone in basketball, and they have two of the, I don't know, five best players in the world on their team, so I think they have a chance against anybody when they're playing where, like where this. Do you, where do you put LeBron now? Is he still big positive? This or guy's incredible. Yeah. He's, he's playing, he's, what, 38? He's playing like he's 28. He's like he's twenty five points and like six rebounds and six assists. The guy's incredible. He's uh, he, he hasn't aged a bit. He uh, well, he, he he takes the D off. He's nowhere near taking one of their better guys anymore. He's still good defensively, not as good as he was when he was younger, um, but he's still he's still good. And and when you have Anthony Davis healthy and, and protecting the rim like he has, he I mean he's been their most valuable player. Yeah, because um, he just controls the game uh, at the rim, and um, that's going to be a challenge for anybody. But Golden State, they don't care because they don't really go to the rim. They spread you out, and they have shooters everywhere, and then they have one guy that just kind of crashes the boards for them. Um, what are what would be ads three months ago of a of a Miami Laker final? <laughs> I mean, that huge odds, yeah. yeah. And, and I I don't think that's going to happen, but it's it could. Well, in the East, it could. I don't. I don't think the Lakers will get by. Uh, uh, Denver, but yeah, maybe. I mean, I know it's they're all even. They had the best record in the NBA for the last month of the season. The you Lakers. Think, you think Tibbs is going to lose to Jimmy Buckets? Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks won that series, even though Miami has much more talent. They had a way worse record, right? Yeah, but they had much more talented team. They did, they had a lot of injuries throughout the year. They okay. were just trying to get in. Yeah, they uh, well, they almost they almost didn't get in. They almost yeah. Got, yeah, the Bulls would have been. Bulls had them down to Miami. Well, the, the Bucks they got all their injuries at the wrong time. Yep. You know, anyway. So, Hal, uh, this is, can you think of even doing your history work, can you think of a more fascinating, I'm going to say almost dangerous time economically? I mean, it seems like we've got banks going under for, like, no reason other than we changed rules in the last 15 years, and now we wonder why we did, or at least I do. I, I, don't, I don't understand how they're, they're – uh, there isn't some sort of reserve requirement. I don't. I don't see why. Uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got bank. This is almost a. For those that you know don't remember the savings and loan crisis, the Fed, you know, bleeped up huge even then, and totally turned around a world where, for those that don't remember savings and loan, many they used to have savings and loans in Iowa. They probably did. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, you walked in and you gave them your dough. They gave you a passbook. They gave you three, three and a half percent. The mortgages were six, and the two and a half percent paid for the savings and loan, and, and all the other stuff. There was a, you were very aware and very conscious that your money, just like, and it's a wonderful life. Your money was in Maddie Weber's mother's house, and you know, Hal's dad's house, and all this. And all of a sudden, the Fed totally screwed up by put one, too much money in the system to pay for the Vietnam War. Inflation goes to the moon. They raise interest rates to where the savings and loan is now paying eleven percent. And their and their the mortgages are only six, so it wouldn't take a whole lot of thought to think that they're in trouble with that one. So now we're we got a situation where we have banks loaded up with these U.S. Treasuries that they bought, and really, uh, uh, I got to ask you a question about that, Hal, in a second. But when I finish this thought, they and now all of a sudden these Treasuries are marked down because they're not worth as much because you bought them at one one and a half percent interest. Now the interest is four. So they almost can't afford to pay, or in their minds, plus they're used to not paying anybody any interest, and, and the deposits are flowing out of these places, and I'll tell you where they're going. I mean, I mean, we're not getting them all, but every Monday, my brother's going to the auction for a whole bunch of clients and buying treasuries. 
And why in God's name would you keep your money in a bank if you got three hundred grand? And not well, I mean you can go to the auction by yourself, you don't need us, or any firm can do that, but we're good at it. We go right to the auction and my brother calls you up and says, Here's your number, five point one, five point and and six months we do why would you keep your money in a bank that's not paying you anything? Or a money market fund, you could go there. And the banks are wondering why all of a sudden they're not competitive. Hell, if, if they forgot how the world works, I mean, are they idiots? Do they think you owe them your half million dollars in there for nothing? Yeah, it's really kind of funny when you look at the banking system because we have FDIC, we have the Lender of Last Resort, and you have a bank run caused by banks doing what they thought was uh, – zero risk. They buy these long-term treasuries. And all of a sudden, the Fed raises interest rates from basically zero to five, what, 12, 14 months? So from zero to five. Now, that pushes up the two-year, the the 10-year the rates up to four, four to five. The banks that had purchased those 10-year treasuries, well, they, they can't pay a savings deposit rate needed to keep the checking accounts and the savings accounts in the house. So these consumers are going, all right, who's going to pay me a higher interest rate? And they pull their money out and they move it to a different bank and they move it to a bigger bank. So the bank runs are being caused by the Fed jacking up interest rates from zero to five in just over a year because it printed way too much money. And if you look at the number of banks historically from 1950 to like 2015. In 1980, when we had the uh, savings loan crisis, the number of banks was pretty flat at above 12,000. And you have the savings loan crisis, and the number of banks drops on a trend line toward about 6,000. And then you see another break in trend at about the time of the financial crisis, and it bends downward. So in my opinion, Fed action cause the savings alone debacle because oh, like you said yeah it jacked up those interest rates <clears throat> it didn't learn from that history what did it do in 2003 greenspan was in jackson hole wyoming when interest rates are one percent then a historic low for the federal funds rate begging credit unions to make adjustable rate mortgages and then what did he do a few months later he went from one to over four in about yeah. a year, right? And so, and then today, in the last six months, we repeat that history a third time. And what are the banks doing? They're just getting bigger. We're gonna end up with like two massive banks in America. And because they're gonna be tied into the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve is supposed to be independent, but it's actually political, the government's gonna have significant control over the kinds of loans that these big, huge banks, then are basically the United States economy, they're going to have massive control over the kinds of loans that these banks are going to make. Um, and to me, to me, I don't, I can't believe this is not intentional. I can't believe it that people aren't this dumb. I, I, I get to the point where I don't, I don't think. This is a mistake. I don't think this is an unintended consequence. Uh, Maddie, are you going to say that Hal's been on the show too long? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very logical. It does, but I, I'm going to I'm going to say two, three years ago, Hal, for the first time, because everybody 
looks up at, at St. Volker and how he saved everybody. Yeah. I'm going to say that when I look back at those years and I've gone back and actually tried to refresh my memory, I don't think he had to go anywhere near as high on that rate as he did. Yeah. The last six to eight months. I it's think, almost like he wanted those small I th- banks. I think to he fail. put the savings loan industry out of business on purpose. Yeah. I at, think, at, at I think Greenspan, to, honestly, I think Greenspan repeated his, his, uh, that that whole thing, I'm I'm pretty convinced that Greenspan did the same thing in 2003. It was to consolidate banking power in a few gigantic banks, I think, and it, I think it, it all, right it, now, no matter Powell's what happens, the same thing. no matter what happens, that's always the result. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter at this point. Be. It doesn't really matter if it's intentional. Well, but it's you what, and, you and I, you and I. I mean, you're a professor. You do this for a living. I do this because I've always been interested in it because my University of Chicago roots. And by the way, my clients like the idea that I have some kind of a knowledge of what's going on. It doesn't mean you can trade off it or anything like that, but I wish it did. Uh, but I, you and I have come to this exact same conclusion. When every single time the result is the same, these yeah. people these people are not that stupid. No, I mean we we have a we have a, a law in this country. I confirmed it through Carl yesterday that no bank is supposed to have more than ten percent of the deposits. Well, we just we just gave J.P. Morgan. I got to believe they were over ten percent, and now they're more. We we have a government that doesn't pay attention to their own rules, so you yeah, really have don't to play by the rules. We have to play by the rules. Well, but but they don't you have can to. understand why half the population doesn't care if they go through a stop sign. Yeah. I mean, why why should we pay? Why should we pay? But I mean, everybody knows that's not the way I think. But this 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 is insanity, and I don't see anybody. And we talked earlier with with Brendan. I don't know if you were listening. The, the Congress has no intention of making any of this stuff correct. They're, they're not going to, the mortgage thing, I'm not going to go through that again, but the, the mortgage thing yesterday where the, the people with the higher credit scores now are subsidizing people with the lower credit scores. Yeah. That, how, how does Congress allow that to happen? I, I mean, who, get, who is influence in all these? I mean, you, you don't sound stunned, but why should, why should it, you, you should be any more... Um, I'm using the universal you, not you, Hal. Why? Yeah. Why should you be surprised that uh, the Fed does the bidding of the bigger banks when you've got people here trying to put, you know, a Congress or a, a state representative, Michael Madigan, in jail for doing the business of the bigger of the big utilities, and by the way, taking a favor or two from them. Well, duh. Why? Why would you do the? Why would you give those guys that kind of money and at least not get your nephew a job if you could? I mean, I mean, really? I mean, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think the human. I don't think people can understand it. when I say this, Carl. I mean, I, I can't either. I don't. I have no idea what a trillion dollars even means. Can I fit that in my pocket? I don't. Can I fit well, that I think, in my I truck? I think in ten I, years you, you'll get an idea. Well, maybe, but I mean, can I fit that in my truck? Can I fit it, fit it in my apartment? I, I mean, I don't even know if it's hundred dollars. But I think your truck might cost a trillion dollars. Well, that's years. that's that's very possible. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, th- this is over the. It, it's hard for when I was on the board of the CBO and we said our fifty-year thing last week. The, uh, by the way, I'm not going to the official one because they refused to let me bring Audrey, and I'm not going without her. So because she deserves it too. Uh, anyway, but, but they. When I was on the board, it's, it was really hard for regular guys. I mean, if somebody was position limit over a few times, or he did this or that, or he did something with it that you could kind of get your hands around. I mean, you want you want to spank the dude right there because he's he's a they, the term was what, man, he recidivist. 
You didn't carry broke broke through all the time. Is that isn't that the definition that you're a recidivist? Or does anybody use that term anymore? Yet if, if some firm did something that was way above your pay grade, you just sit there and go, I don't know, that's that's their business. They should be able to do it. Where you sit there and go, wait a minute. They just because of this way they did this trade, they just stole a quarter from somebody four hundred times. Well, a quarter four hundred times is what is that? Forty thousand bucks? That's 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 a that's a felony in any state, right? Yet, oh wait a minute, but, that, but that's that's Morgan Stanley. They, they can do that, or that's another firm. They get to do that because they're really our customers. They're not really. No, we we're supposed to have a, a fair and orderly market here, and that that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, but they get to do it. And when yeah. when you when you ended up with uh, four exchanges competing for uh, the option business instead of one. IBM only being traded on the CBOE and digital only being traded on the MX. Once you lost that discipline of the pit, how 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 much you were going to regulate somebody or or not really regulate them? Not don't use the term regulate. How how willing you were you were to be to to punish rule violations became part of the competitive uh, marketplace, and it, and it never should. How yet it did, and it does like all the time. So I'm going to say right now that the, the, the people are, are way less willing. They're going to show up with a million people and bother the hell out of J.P. Morgan, but they're not going to they're not going to find them any kind of number that's ever going to hurt. Where if you're a smaller bank, they can't wait to put you out of business. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, somehow or another, this has to be reversed, and I don't and I don't know how it's ever going to happen, especially with Congress totally inattentive. I mean, I don't know if you could ever get a president. I mean, Trump tried a little bit, but he was so incompetent. You know, he was right. Here's here's 5,000 regulations. What he, he stopped, and he should have said all the people that wrote him need to be gone. But I don't see this... I don't, I, don't, I don't see it ever going back the other way here, do you? And if it isn't, if it just keeps progressing, how the hell are we going to have a society like we're supposed to have where people actually can form a firm, hire people, make some money, send their kids to school, and oh, by the way, the people that work there, their kids are going to go to school and they get to have a house. I don't. We don't have any idea of what this even works like anymore. Hell, do we? Or is it just me? Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy because every government intrusion in the marketplace tends to create. Uh, if you if you compare it to what would have happened had that not put in place, output would be a little higher. Yeah. So what what happens with these rules, these regulations, these taxes, all this stuff? It adds cost, and the big firms, McDonald's. Amazon and uh, Walmart, they can absorb those costs. Yeah, you know that's that's why they don't they don't oppose like increase the minimum wage anymore. They can absorb those costs. So what happens is the result is the marginal firm, well, the high cost marginal firm, either has to go under the table in New York City and pay its employees cash or hire only family and only accept cash at the register, or it goes out of business. So these rules and regulations turn people into criminals because now they're evading taxes. Well, we went for 20 to 25 years as as people were being, well, as businesses were offshoring. And labor had, labor had no competitive advantage here. So they're, they're, they're 30 years behind the time. I mean, if you look at the, the median wage in 2000, it's roughly the same as it was last year or two years ago. Yeah. It, maybe, it might be a little more. It's, but so if all of a sudden, if McDonald's you know went twenty years when they went from eight fifty an hour to ten, 
if now all of a sudden they have to go from 10 to even 14, look at the difference in prices of the burgers and the milkshakes and from 2000 to today. It's got to be triple. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not, if you did the math, we're not even on the same planet, are we? No, uh, I don't think so. Um, McDonald's here in New York probably pays, I don't know, 18, depending on the neighborhood, probably 18, 20 bucks an hour, I suspect. And, but, and what do they what do they pour out of there per hour between the drive through and everything else? Yeah, well, you know, really, it's really hard to go to McDonald's when you grow up in Idaho or Utah, and you go to McDonald's. You you pull into a parking spot, you walk in, right? I went. I took the kids to uh, McDonald's on Sunday for a treat. My wife was doing homework, and I took them to treat. We didn't go to church on Sunday, so we went to McDonald's, and I, I thought I'll take them to breakfast. And I went to two McDonald's on 86th Street, which is uh, southern Brooklyn, uh, kind of right in parallel to the Bell Parkway. And the McDonald's, the first one we came to was underneath a subway track, and there's no place to park. The second one I go to, I'm like, oh, man, that's in a big building, too. Uh, we had to drive around the block until we found parking. And then we had to walk in the rain about six, uh, about a sixth of a mile. It was crazy, right? Well, I mean, is, uh, if you haven't figured it out yet... Uh... Driving around New York looking for a place to park is kind of a zero sum <laughs> game. Well, I thought I thought southern I thought southern Brooklyn would be a little better because there's more neighborhoods, right? But yeah, in McDonald's, man, they have the double decker restaurants. They have a large number of customers. They're moving to the app. Um, they're eliminating workers. These mom and pop burger joints that you see all over Utah. They're still using, with the exception of an iPad, they're still using the technology uh, that was there when they opened up the restaurant 34 years ago. Like a but cash register, yeah, cash register. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're using iPads, but everything else is pretty much the technology of the 1970s, right? The In-N-Out, not the In-N-Out, the, uh, uh, the, hires, the hires, hires Root Beer has a fast food chain in Utah still. And there's the A and W in Utah. Yeah. There's the Crown Burger. There's you see them in o- Ohio Burger. too. See them in Ohio yeah. too. Yeah, but, I, but they're using technology from. We know how we only got a couple minutes, but I, Maddie and I were talking about it a little earlier in the show with Brendan, and you see in some of the. Uh, I mean, you, you alluded to it when you said people in some of the welfare stuff will know the game. Well, one of my buddies is in one of these mortgage servicing firms in New York. It's the hardest state in the country to get somebody out of a mortgage. He finally got a group out. Guess how long they have not paid their mortgage in this place? I bet at least two years with the pandemic, maybe three years. Twelve. Twelve years? They, they Six people's name were on the deed. Wow. And, if, and if every time somebody declares bankruptcy, it takes yeah. two years to get it out of the bankruptcy court, and you can sequentially declare bankruptcy. So all six guys... I mean, I think they were guys. All declared New York bankrupt- is not a place to be a landlord either. If no, you're a small-time you, you landlord, absolutely do not. it's not a very good place. Yeah. No, you do not want to be. But, I mean, we're, we're seeing people, in, like in Chicago, the, as you can see, the mayoral thing and whatever you think about or don't. But the idea of the community organizers and getting money for a lot of people in various programs, and some of the programs are good. I'm not going to knock them all down. But the, the idea is the groups of people they're servicing, and, you know, they're not all one color. Are, are never going to be part of what you and I consider to be the American program. They're, they're never going to have a job to where they have a family and they, 
they start do the administrators of, of those programs have any incentive to do that because if they keep this program no. alive oh no they did the program poverty they're, they're making money get their skin yeah. back right yeah, yeah they get they, their skin backs right they, they, yeah. they, they that's where all the money is going well not all yeah. of it but the, everybody's got their finger in the pie to where what gets to the end user oh but, they but, got more than a finger in the pie yeah they got their the thumb. two feet and their hands right but it's the, the you're you're never going to see the 500 people that are need help i'm not saying they don't you're never going to see 400 of those two years from now with a regular job. Oh, the same thing's going on in L.A. Yeah. and San Francisco with homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. SP futures down nine, NASDAQ futures down eight. Again, we're waiting for the feds today and tomorrow. Hey, I'll talk at you next week. I'll, I'll make, Maddie, make a note about that baseball antitrust. It's an interesting story. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I'm no either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.